want to uh, just not spend very long, but just uh, reflect on uh, the, final, um, the final sermon in this Galatians series. If you've been with us, you know that over the last few uh, weeks, we've been looking at uh, freedom, really, but we've been looking at it through the lens of Galatians. Um, a book and a, a letter that Paul was writing to people, and we were trying to make sense of it in terms of how we would have read it today, in terms of the way that often we, um, we compare ourselves to other people and uh, often feel that we're not doing so good. We struggle with guilt, the guilt of stuff that we thought we'd dealt with or that had been dealt with, but actually still haunts us. We talked about fear and we talked about how we deal with our past. We looked at it in the light of freedom. And today seemed appropriate. It, it just seems it fits well. Just to finish and to talk about this idea of freedom for the future. How do you live this long uh, road together? And what I want to do is just do it through the lens, really, of baptism. Baptism is that, I mean, and, and the part of the problem is that you and I both will know much of this, but let me remind you of what you already do know. The baptism is not just sort of like a, a ritual, a religious ritual, but it is that identification of the individual with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's why, in our tradition, why we do submerge and then raise up again. It's that very visual. You almost, I don't know of any other ritual that we would do in our lives that is so similar to dying. If you imagine, I mean, it, it sounds a little macabre perhaps, and some of you might not want to uh, sort of think about this too long, but it is laying someone into a grave and then actually bringing them back up again. It is that death and resurrection moment. And as sophisticated as we get, we never go any further than that to say, actually, that's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And that's really important, particularly when you're reading through Galatians, because it's easy otherwise to think that being a Christian is doing the right stuff, is being good, is being nice, behavioral modification. Whereas actually at the heart of it is this, no, I've died to a certain way of life and I've been raised to live for a new life. It's why you guys that we baptised just a moment ago, have they, have they gone? That was the quickest disappointment <laughs> in my church ministry, but I'm kind of, they're just getting changed. Um, it's why, in a sense, them getting baptised at the age of 26, 28, whatever they may be, having been brought up in a Christian context, having been brought up in a church context, and then going, no, actually, this is it. It's fantastic when teenagers do it as well. So I was a teenager when I got baptised. Probably not that dissimilar age to Sushana. And I can remember it, and it was like, it, it, it was one of those milestones. It didn't mean everything was easy, and I had to keep on making renewed commitments, really, throughout life. It wasn't the only commitment I ever made, but it was the, one of the beginning commitments of going, yes, that's what's happened. And I didn't really understand fully, if I'm honest with you. It probably took me 20 years to fully understand what was going on in that baptism, that identification with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But as a teenager, as a young adult, 
that sense of that's who I am now. And when Paul gets to the end of his letter in Galatians, that's where he's going to land this. Who are you? So if you've got a Bible or you can get a hold of one, I'm going to read just from uh, chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, I know it says 6 there, but I'm just going to go a little to the previous chapter and then read to verse 10 of chapter 6. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If any of you think you are something when you're nothing, you deceive yourselves. Each of you should test your own actions. And then you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else. For each of you should carry your own load. Nevertheless, those who receive instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature... From that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's much there that I'd like to explore, but I haven't really got the time this morning. But we come to that sort of central fact of why do we baptize baptism was an early symbol and you and I both know if you've read the gospels you know that um, John the Baptist baptized Jesus and then Jesus told his disciples to baptize other disciples and um, so the, the one thing you know about baptism is it predates Jesus they were baptizing before Jesus came but actually in that mode pre-Jesus It was very much about cleansing. And you can understand why they would have done that. That sort of idea of you going to water and and your sins are washed away. You're kind of like, you're washed. But post-Jesus, it became this identification. Paul probably did the most thinking about this in the early church. And that's where we pick that reading up. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. What he's saying is, you have put to death that bit of you that was in rebellion against the God who created you. You've put it to death. You don't want to live that way any longer. You've crucified. And the language of crucified for us just sounds like church language. But if you remember, that language of crucifixion is shameful language in the Roman context. The Romans crucified people. It was a particular Roman efficient way of dealing with criminals. It was efficient because actually on the whole they died relatively quick. But it was efficient because it told the rest of the world he was in control. So crucifixion is not like a churchy language just to say you died to the old way. Actually crucifixion is no, we did it in the way that demonstrates to the world that things have changed. 
It's paralleling your life with Jesus. You have been identified with Christ. You, as Jesus died and rose again, so you too have died and rose again. That bit of you that would, sometimes with fury, would, would rebel against God, has been put to death. The problem is that sometimes we don't stay dead. <laughs> Keeps coming back again. But actually, there's something about this. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? We've, we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks keeping on going back to that. I know whose I am, and I know who I am in relation to him. It's not just that God loves you, but I've identified myself with Christ. I have died. He has brought me back to life. I live in the light of Jesus. There's sometimes when a good burp just goes a long way. (laughs) Particularly when you just get to a very important moment. Thank you, Pippa. But do you get it? Not the burp. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And the reason it's so important is because you've got multiple voices telling you multiple different things about yourself. And you need to anchor identity somewhere. Who are you? I'm a person who's died and been raised to life by Christ. Why do we do it publicly? I chose this picture um, because uh, I didn't know you were coming, Mary, but there you go. Um, this was a baptism we did a few uh, years ago. I don't know how many years ago. How many years ago was this baptism? Can you remember? Three? Three years ago, perhaps? Yeah. And it, it sort of led to the question in my own mind, why do we do this publicly? And I think there's a number of things I'd want to say. The first thing is this identification with Jesus is not a private faith. It's a public faith. It's personal, but it's never private. None of you are listening to me now. You're all just looking at that picture going, oh, I wonder where they are now. (laughs) (laughs) I realize I'm just talking while you're thinking. I'll carry on for a little while, and you'll join me again any moment now. I know exactly what's going on. Your faith is private, is personal, but it's never private. It's very important what the two guys that we baptised said. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me in my family life? Will you pray for me in my workplace life? Because instinctively what they know is that this faith is not so personal that it's just for you it actually overflows into the whole of your life wherever your life might be public christian faith is always public it's a common life not a private religion but church is not a club it's not just a group of people who are willing to become a community but they become a community because we're willing to carry one another's burdens. One of the reasons we baptise 
amongst, like we've done this morning, amongst one another is because it's a team thing. When Paul wrote in Galatians about this life in the spirit, in verse 2, he said, carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. It's verse 2, not verse 4. Those burdens, it's a heavy word. It's a word that sort of like brings you down. It's a word that's too difficult for you to carry on your own. And the reason we baptise together is because what we say in our observing is not Ross and Cam, oh, well, good for you. Sushana, oh, I'm really pleased for you. What we do in observing and witnessing is to say, we will carry this burden with you. We will run this race with you. And on the days when your burden is so heavy, we will carry it. I'm going to show you a short clip of a film that you'll have seen before, but I don't know if there's any other sort of clip from recent days that sort of explores this quite so graphically. Let's play the film and you'll see it. Less than 400 metres from the finishing line, unbelievable. Johnny Brownlee would start to find fatigue. He did not know where he was. And something that we've never seen before, Alistair Brownlee would help his brother to the finishing line. Henry Schoeman could not believe his eyes. He would have himself an ability to get to the finish and win the grand final. The crowd absolutely could not believe what they were seeing. Henry Schoeman, the man who had been the bronze medalist at the Olympic Games, would claim the grand final. What an incredible rock star season for Henry Schoeman. And as he crossed the line, he would look back and not believe what he was seeing. The two Brownlee brothers trying to make their way to their finishing line with Richard Murray just seconds behind. And Alistair Brownlee would help the younger of the Brownleys in, push him across the line. It would be Johnny second, Alistair third. Uh, yeah, well, I've been in that position before. And uh, when it happened to me in London all those years ago, uh, I remember sprinting away in second place and then being in the position Johnny's in now and coming around and uh, someone telling me I was in 10th and I was like, how did all them people come back to me? So I swore if, uh, literally, if it happened to anyone, if it happened to Henry, I would have helped him across the line because, to be honest, it's an awful position to be in. If he'd conked out a okay, from the finish line there and there isn't the medical support, you know, it's a dangerous position to be in. So whatever, you know, it, you know, obviously the World Series is a big play, but whatever, it's the right thing to do. I could have uh, talked about that and you would have known, many of you would have known that race. How many of you knew who won the race? How many of you knew the name of Henry Schoolman? How many of us watching it going, really, a little bit more dignity Henry would have done, <laughs> gone a long way. <laughs> Just a tad more dignity. What you remember is one brother going, not only am I going to help you to the finishing line, I'm going to push you over that line so you get there first. That's what we're doing for one another. And it was interesting because he said at the end, didn't he? He said, I vowed I would do it for someone else because I remember when I was running, no one did it for me. I was second and then suddenly I was told I was 10th and I realized, where did all that happen? And he said, I realized on that day and he said, I would have done it for anybody. I would have done it for Henry. Although now we're thinking you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> we wouldn't have blamed you. I would do it for anybody because actually I know how it feels. This is what it means to carry one another's burdens. 
Because actually what we want is for us all to get there. In truth, I mean, I know this is a very simplistic way of putting it, but at the end of time, and who knows how this will pan out or how it will work, but one day God will reward you for what you have done. Who knows how it will be? But actually the reward will be for us, not you as an individual, because it will be us that have made us receive the reward. You need the person that's sitting with you. You need the church. And more particularly, we need you. And there are moments in life when it's easy to give up on church. There's not one person in the room that doesn't know how that feels. Everybody in the room, everybody in the room has had moments of thinking, Jesus, is this the best idea you've ever had? (laughs) But when you give up, we lose. We lose. Your part of your task is to carry one another's burdens and push us over the line. My third and final point is this. Will you keep walking? I think, I think I'm right that Alistair was the older guy and Johnny was the younger one. Is that right? I got mixed up in my mind. Yeah? So, Johnny, there's another clip. I'm not going to play it. But it did go through my mind. What if Johnny now said, well, to be honest, every time now I expect my older brother to help me over the line. You go, actually, that's not the deal. There's another clip, and if you, you know, because I spent hours finding that one clip, I watched many others, um, where Johnny was doing the triathlon, and he had to carry his bike for the last 1K, because something went wrong with his bike. And he was determined to finish the race, but in order to finish the race, he had to carry his own bike. Now, one of the interesting things in the little passage we read is that at one point, Paul says to one another, carry one another's burdens. And then he says to another point, you've got to carry your own burden. And there's an interesting, is that, is he, has he forgotten what he's just said? Is it a paradox? I think what he's doing is he's recognizing actually both are true. In carrying one of those burdens, we ensure we all get there. But actually, what we don't do is we don't have some people who always get carried and some people who always carry. Actually, your primary responsibility is to carry your own bike when your bike's bust, because it's your race. And you've got to keep walking. And that's why baptism is the beginning. And what Paul will go on to say is this, you will reap what you sow. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life so don't become weary in doing good this Christian life is a long walk in the same direction and you will reap what you sow and sometimes that's used as a sort of a negative sort of like a warning don't do bad stuff because bad stuff will happen but actually the alternative and Paul uses it here is if you, reap, if you sow well, you'll reap well. If you sow to the Spirit, if you're following the Spirit, if you're alert to the Spirit, if you're attentive to His voice, actually, you will find whole growth. If you sow well, you'll reap well. So don't become weary in doing good. Carry on walking. Alistair Begg said this. The Christian life is not a series of 100-yard sprints. It's like a cross-country race. 
And then he borrowed a phrase to say, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And that's what these folks have done today in baptism. They've started, signaled, this is a milestone, this is why it is. But actually, it's not about today, it's about the long walk in the same direction, a long obedience in the same direction. It's about keeping on saying yes to Jesus, it's about saying yes to the Spirit, it's about saying yes to one another, it's about actually saying yes, I have died and I have been raised to life. beginning of the service we asked you when did you get baptized and you span 70 years between us thereabouts 70 years whenever it happened for you was the moment where you signaled in a similar sort of way I'm sure you signaled to people around you this is a journey I'm going to run and I'm going to carry on running nobody gets baptized going to be honest I'll see how it goes Nobody gets baptized saying, I don't know if I'm going to carry on. You get baptized because you go, no, this is the journey I want to run. If you made that decision 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, you carry on running a long journey of obedience in the same direction. And for some of you, you've, you've not yet been baptized. And it's kind of interesting to listen to, to Ross and Cam talk about, well, why now? And it's kind of like, well, it's just... For Cam, didn't quite happen at the right time. For Ross, <laughs> I think, Ross, you said something like, I'm a social recluse, I never thought to ask. <laughs> I think that's what you said. Maybe it is the moment for some of you to go, actually, I have died and I have been reborn and I do belong to these people. And not only do I want to carry their burdens, but I want them to carry my burdens. And not only do I want to know in my heart that something's happened, it's like Sashana was talking about, something happened at the Crickieth Youth Camp that actually made all the difference for her. And today was the day where she was able to say that to us, but signal it with the act. And for some of you, you've got your own journey to make, but there are days when you go, actually, that is the right thing for me. And there'll be people, and you're just not sure where you stand. And this is a moment where you go, that's the journey I want to, that's the journey I want to live. That's the journey of a long obedience in the same direction. I'm going to ask the folks to come back and play. And as they do, I'm going to pray for us. And then Ian will lead us and we'll find ways of responding in song to some of the things that perhaps God might be wanting to remind you of. But let's just pray together while they get their, themselves together. Father God, we thank you for these folks that have taken this step today. And it's a big deal for us as a community to see our own folks, our own family, take this step of baptism. But their step is a reminder to us and a provocation to us. It's a reminder to those of us who have been baptised, the life that we've been called into. It's a provocation because it reminds us of our identity in you. It's a provocation because it reminds us of the story that we live in. 
Lord, for those of us who know that we stood where they stood, Lord, may we continue to walk faithfully with you. May we do it as husbands and wives. May we do it in our workplaces. May we indeed have the wisdom and the clarity to know what that looks like. Lord, keep us walking, we pray. And Lord, for those of us who are not sure yet, Lord, I pray that you'll make it really clear what you're calling us to do. Lord, for those of us who just need to take a step, give us the courage, we pray. Most of all, Lord, I pray that we'll carry one of those burdens, that like those two brothers, we will ensure that we finish this race together. Lord, make us not too proud, not too selfish, not too self-serving to carry one of those burdens. And Lord, help us not to be too proud. That means that we don't allow other people to carry our burdens. We ask it in your name.